How does the NBA get more exciting again? Can the Lakers turn their fortunes around? Who are some of the players to watch in this year's draft? The only question left is, say it with me, you win. Coach Nick here, and welcome to the B-Ball Breakdown podcast slash uh, Periscope live show. Today, I'm really excited to have on Jordan Schultz, who uh, is a guy who's going to help us break down uh, all the stuff that's going on in the draft right now and uh, and all the different storylines. So, Jordan, uh, thank you for joining us. And, you know, give us a quick shout out about where you're coming from and your background and what gives you all this great insight. Coach Nick, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, I uh, I'm excited to be here, you know. I've been covering the NBA draft for quite some time. Um, actually, uh, leaving HuffPost to join Yahoo Sports, which I have not announced officially yet, I guess, until now. So Wow, breaking. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm sure so many people are excited about it. Uh, and uh, a Bleacher Report college basketball analyst and NBA analyst for uh, SI Now. So um, kind of uh, all over basketball, to say the least, I would yeah. say. Absolutely. You're all over that. You're all over Twitter. You're all over everything. And so I wanted to tap some of your expertise on what's going on in the the NBA draft storylines as we're now morphing out of the insanity that is the NBA finals uh, or the NBA playoffs, I guess, all overall. Really quickly, though, I'm just kind of curious. Do you feel like this NBA uh, uh, playoffs has been kind of a dud this year? You know, it's disappointing. As a basketball fan, I feel like the playoffs have been uh, really just had – Probably the worst playoffs I can remember in at least five years. I think when you start to think about the issues we've had, it's been blowouts. And it's not that you haven't had compelling storylines. You know, LeBron obviously trying to go back-to-back. KD trying to win his first championship. Obviously, San Antonio loses Kawhi Leonard. I mean, things have happened that have certainly not, you know, helped in terms of the injuries. But um, I, I, And Tony Parker as well. But I think with the playoffs as a whole, we've seen more blowouts than we have uh, and since, I think, the 01 or 2000 playoffs. You've also seen a wider margin of victory uh, in the Western Conference. It's just disappointing because, as even as an NBA fan, you would expect some some somebody to to rise up to the occasion, but it really hasn't happened other than the two teams we expected all along. That that is true, and so part of me feels like I'm really excited that we got the rematch. Although here we are, and uh, it hasn't been as compelling, at least in the number of games going uh, as I'd hoped. But uh, I, I guess I would agree with you. Uh, I, I guess the other thing is we've had so many insane playoffs in the last several years with like all these game sevens and these crazy you know back and forth games that it's almost like the law of averages. Here we are. We're going to have a dud where it's mostly right. exactly how it all played out. And uh, I do think that it's time uh, rather than looking at what the the Warriors did and how you might want to criticize that, you might want to say, well, it's time once and for all for the East to get their act together and put together some better teams. And then the West as well, to some degree. But I think that's, I think this is finally, it's been way too long since the East has been competitive, aside from LeBron. Yeah, I mean, since Boston won a championship, um, other than last year, I guess, or Miami, you could say to a degree, but that was a short-lived run, too. So um, here's my thing with, with, with Cleveland as a whole. I think we, we've seen this is a very flawed roster. Uh, they don't have the versatility. They, they can't play small uh, as, as much as Golden State, although nobody can, but they really can't. Uh, and then, obviously, not having a backup point guard has been a disaster. Darren Williams has been atrocious, uh, has not scored in this series 0 for 11. And then, you know, they brought in Kyle Korver to make shots, and he hasn't been able to, to get free in the finals. And then you look at the East as a whole, you have some exciting young teams, you know, a Detroit maybe, a Milwaukee. Um, we thought Toronto was rising. Looks like they haven't 
Uh, it looks like they've fallen a little bit. So the East, you're right. I mean, this draft, as we're going to discuss, there's a lot of really good players that can make a difference right away. But the East is just a mess because you have one great team and then a lot of very average teams. Absolutely. Uh, well, we'll have to see. I, Milwaukee definitely is the intriguing one for me. A lot of really great athletes, long, uh, and I love Giannis. I think he's going to be uh, – he's kind of like Durant, uh, but maybe could eclipse that one day if he continues to shoot, uh, learn how to shoot better because he's got all those intangibles and more. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's going to be sensational. I've gotten to know Jason Kidd well, and, and one of the things he said about Giannis is that aside from all the physical gifts – uh, he's maybe the hardest. I think I think he's actually said he was the hardest working, or he's never seen a kid work as hard. Uh, and at his age, 22, you, you think about what they can build around with Middleton, him, and Jabari Parker. That's an incredibly exciting and enticing young team. Um, but you know they're still three years away. You know, and and I'm not sure what's going to happen with Cleveland in the off season. But as good as they were this year in the East, they're still completely outclassed by Golden State Nick. For sure, for sure. Um, well, let's break into a little bit of the NBA draft, shall we? Because I think that everyone's really getting curious as what's happening right now. Uh, perhaps the first storyline we could jump off on is I'm hearing some grumblings uh, about the Lakers and who they might or might not pick. And I'm, it's gotten me confused because it seemed locked in that it was going to be Lonzo Ball. Maybe even the Celtics aren't going to draft Fultz. So what are you hearing? What is your thoughts yeah. on the top two picks? So here's where we're at. I'll start with Fultz because he is going to be number one pick, I believe. There was a sense all year that he was going to be the top pick. And then when Boston got it, it surprised everybody. And then people thought, you know, are they really going to draft Fultz because they have Isaiah Thomas there and Bradley and Smart. Uh, but I, Fultz, is, I think, is the best player right now. Um, his upside is, is there as well. He, he won 10 games on a terrible team this year. I don't put a lot of argument. Uh, I, I don't put a lot of stake in that argument, just like Ben Simmons last year, not winning games in college. Where it gets really interesting is that second pick. We thought Philadelphia was going to be the wild card at three. I think the Lakers really become the wild card at two. You know, obviously they worked out Lonzo Ball yesterday. From what I've been told, they have significant questions of whether or not he's ultimately going to be a franchise cornerstone. Uh, and then obviously, I and I've said this, and some people would disagree, but I believe we're, we're naive if we think, Nick, that, that LeVar Ball doesn't have any factor because – you think about magic. You think about you know what this organization wants. They they want to have a really healthy locker room. And when you're potentially your best player or one of your best players uh, has a manager, an agent, a father who's constantly talking in the media, that that could be a distraction. You know, it's funny because I, I kind of felt like any team that would pass on Lavar Ball, I mean, sorry, Lonzo Ball, because of the father, would be right. silly because it, he is it, such, it, he it is that a, good. What's that? It could be a layer on top of everything else. Yeah, although the, the, the argument that's been posed to me is that i kind of been moving a little bit closer in that direction where, because to me, first of all, Lonzo himself is not boisterous. He's not going to create any lo uh, locker room issues. He, I don't think, he sounds like a really great teammate, nice, nice kid, very smart, high IQ. Um, and so, but, but I could get the idea that maybe with the father agitating, that mm -hmm. could get some of the younger guys in the Lakers a little bit out of sorts. And, and I, so, so I kind of understand a little bit more. I, I always start focusing simply on Lonzo himself and like how, what his sure. effect would be. Um, well, he, so he's a wonderful player. There, there's no, there's no question. He, he plays the game at, at a different level, different pace than even a Darren Fox or even a Markel Fultz. Uh, the, the question marks I have personally, Nick, just from a, 
looking at his game, is he really good enough in the pick and roll? He didn't do a lot of it in college, and he struggled when he did. And then how is he going to go up against that elite quickness? We saw De'Aaron Fox in the tournament really bother him, and that's more of what he'll see in the NBA. You know, I did ask the, a, a buddy of mine who's a coach at UCLA, uh, on the, uh, an assistant there, to, about the pick and roll because there's so few – there's there's no evidence. Of, we don't know how good he is or, or bad yeah. he is at it, really. Um, and he, the, the, what he said was that the IQ level of ball is so high that he had no doubt that he would be able to pick up stuff very yeah. quickly. Probably, I, I have him. I, I can only hope right now. I haven't checked on his you know workouts. I'm sure he's somewhere around you know around me working out. I can only hope he's working on pick and roll every day for a good hour and going over all the rotations and all the reads. But uh, that was what they said, and I, I would probably tend to agree with that. He seems that smart where he could pick it up. And again, uh, it's one thing to work out with the other guys in the summer and try and pick that stuff up, and another thing to actually try and do it in the NBA live. I think that's a pretty safe statement, right? Absolutely. And NBA defenses are so much more complex than something you see in the summer. Uh, you, you, you talk to guys, especially point guards, they, they don't understand the pick and roll typically until their third or fourth year. They really start to read not just their guy, but then the big, you know, that's the big one. Uh, so th- there's a lot there. And, and you mentioned the pick and roll for him. You know, he when he did run it, he wasn't particularly good, but it's such a small sample size. I, I would agree with you. I, I think he'll figure it out. You know, he's got that size to see over the top at six six. Um, he's a he's a wonderfully talented player, and they have certainly uh, LA a lot to think about because they can go in different directions. They can also go with the Josh Jackson, pair him up with Brandon Ingram. They can trade Jordan Clarkson. They could try to move Russell over to the two. There's a lot a lot to think about. And while your mouth is watering, thinking about all the Lakers' possibilities, it should make you want to get into your kitchen and start cooking. And that's where our friends over at Blue Apron come in. Blue Apron is a great service that delivers all the ingredients you need to make a delicious gourmet meal. It was really cool to open the box and find all this high quality and fresh food clearly marked and really easy to follow directions. My daughter and I had the best time making shrimp and shiitake mushrooms one night and seared chicken with squash and garlic rice the next. It was great that they included the tiny bottle of hoisin sauce with the exact amount you needed. The food itself is fantastic, and I certainly impressed my wife with the seared salmon and glazed carrots and saffron yogurt sauce. Nothing takes more than 40 minutes to make, so fire up my podcast while you cook and get ready to impress your girlfriend, boyfriend, significant other, or family members who will be sure to kiss the cook after tasting a Blue Apron meal prepared by you. Get your first three meals completely free by going to blueapron.com slash coachnick to dive into a world of easy, fresh, gourmet meals that come right to your door. I know I'm in. And like, and I did a video on how they would fit together, uh, Ball and, and and Russell. I'm pretty excited about it. It kind of harkens back a little bit towards the you know the big backcourt of either Penny Hardaway and Nick Anderson, or you're talking uh, you know kind of like Jordan and uh, and Harper. Uh, that would I mean that, that's the funny thing is we don't know about the defense either. Russell's defense doesn't seem to be that stellar. Uh, I think that uh, that Ball could be a really good defender. He has the tools. I just don't know if he can you know really do it and learn it and and, and pick it up. Well, I think that's the biggest issue. But as far as his approach to the game, it seems like he could be a pretty good defender ultimately. Yeah, the length is, is incredible, the quickness, the anticipation. But he, and this is again just being a freshman in college, and he he la- there were there were points when you watched him closely last year where he'll just fall asleep on possessions, and that's okay. I mean, that's going to happen. Uh, Fultz says the same thing. In fact, I would argue Fultz said it even more. But 
he'll have to be, regardless of where he ends up, to your point, Nick, he's got, he's got to be in a system, Lonzo Ball, that, that really allows him to develop. Not to, Forget the offense as a defensive player because eventually he could be a weapon. For sure. Well, let's move on to another player in that draft who's on the top there. I don't know. Uh, there's a, lot, a long list, and we have a, you know, we're getting a sense of like where that's going to go. Who would you want to pick next to kind of look at? Uh, I think Josh Jackson's super intriguing. You know, he, for me, this is the best, highest upside guy in the draft. I think he's so fascinating. Uh, there's a lot of Kawhi Leonard there. I see it. 6'8". Um, he's, he's, his jump shot is is an issue, but it's not a problem. Like, I think he'll, he'll figure it out. It's not like a De'Aaron Fox where you really question it. Uh, but he can guard three spots, maybe four. Uh, he's young, obviously just 19. And, and he's somebody that you could see in that new age NBA where you could put him next to a Brandon Ingram or if he ends up in Philly, wherever. He'll fit into whatever you need. You know, he's such a versatile player. Uh, so that's fascinating. And then the other guy in that conversation who I don't think – is going to end up going higher than three is Jason Tatum from Duke. Uh, another one of those rangy wings can score in all three levels. Um, you know, it's got a little Paul Pierce to him. Uh, he's a fascinating talent as well. Yeah, I, I was intrigued because I had come in with a complete blank slate with Tatum going through the footage. And uh, I, I, it's weird because like, what you try and usually do is say, okay, who does he remind you of? And you mentioned like a Pierce. Uh, Tatum to me seems a little bit more chiseled, right? A little bit more of an athlete uh, to some degree. I, I kind of almost felt like maybe like Rudy Gay. Is that like a comparison? I think Gay is more of a, yeah, kind of that, that, that. He'll lull you to sleep quickness, you know. You, you don't, you're not expecting him, and all of a sudden he'll he'll go down the lane and, and just dunk over everybody. There's some of that there too. And, and Gay and, and Tatum are also bigger than Pierce, uh, more of that six eight than Pierce six six six. Right. Uh, the thing about Tatum is when when and I don't I still don't think Gay particularly handles the ball well. Tatum can handle the ball and and really score on all three levels. Like when Gay came out, he was one of the best players in the country. He goes to UConn. He, he's never. The argument with him is he's never really become and, and utilized all those those skill sets. Tatum is already a polished offensive player. Um, and you saw down the stretch, it was him they were going to, not Kennard or Grayson Allen. So he's a fascinating talent, like I said. Absolutely. Well, you know, the one thing about Josh Jackson, I did a video of him too, and and I do see a lot of the tools, and I could see how they'd say, you know, somewhere between like Andrew Wiggins, you know, just because of the Kansas connection, and then yeah. like KD, like, you know, that kind of athlete, I suppose. He's sort of in that range. Uh, and I do notice, and it's funny, what I did point out in that is that it's, it's, it's a real simple thing, I think, with his jump shot is that he doesn't get his wrist uh, flexed back early enough. And so he's in the middle of doing that as it's on the way up. And if you're listening, Josh, like that, that will help you, I think, uh, pretty quickly. And uh, I, I would suspect if he could iron that out, uh, then the, and the teams really couldn't sag off him too much. Then, yeah, it seems like he would be. Do you think that he's, he has enough aggression to be able to to be you well, know a, a big time scorer in the NBA? Well, you mentioned Wiggins. That was one of my biggest questions with Wiggins coming out of Kansas, and the same will be with Jackson. If does he have that instinct to to go get you what you want, a bucket right away? like we talked about with Tatum. Uh, and I don't know. I don't know. I, I would like to give him the benefit of the doubt. Kansas players, if you think about it, a lot of these guys are end up, end up being better pros um, you know, than, than in college. At least I would say, think about the Morris twins to a degree. You know, they've, they've advanced more. I think Chalmers has been a better pro than people thought. In other words, they develop, they've developed more in, in the NBA than under Bill Self. That, I've heard that as well. I've heard that whatever's going on there developmentally is uh, is very wacky. slow. 
Yeah. yeah. And, and yeah. by the way, it's the same in Kentucky uh, where they all come out uh, sort of not really knowing how to play the game. And it just after they figure some things out, they really kind of blossom, which is a fantastic segue to, to uh, Darren Fox, because uh, now here's a guy who I had really hadn't seen at all anything from him. And when I dug into the footage, I, every clip I saw got me more and more excited about what the possibilities are for him. Maybe even you know more than the other two. Maybe even more than Ball and Fultz. How uh, what's your feeling on on Fox from Kentucky? I, I am I am such a big fan of this kid, uh, Nick. I, I think when you when you look at De'Aaron Fox, there's everything but the jump shot. Let's just put that aside for one second. He's extremely competitive, elite quickness, uh, incredibly long, um, good in pick and roll, unbelievable in transition, can guard both guard spots. And he's a pit bull. I mean, he's tough, and he'll he'll pick you up full court. He doesn't tire. He's relentless. So you think about a guy like that is like a Patrick Beverly, except Fox is a ton of ton of more tools. Actually, Beverly's a better shooter at this point. But Fox is only 19, um, and I've talked to people around the league that believe ultimately he could be the best point guard uh, in this class. Some people actually think he maybe has even uh, more upside than, than a than a Markel Fultz to a degree, especially because defensively he's so special and he can really get after you now the jump shot is a concern and you talked about jackson with the jump shot the, the issue with me with fox he just seems so tight you know it's just there's not it's not a fluid motion and that's why he shot in the 20s from three and that's probably why he's not gonna um you know he maybe he doesn't play a ton right away because he does he can't shoot it i'm interested to see your take on that you know, I was studying his jump shot because to me it looks really nice. Like the mechanics of it look, you know, like I don't see any issues, major issues, no hitch, uh, right? I mean, I, I guess the tight, like to me it was almost more like um, it, there's something with the release. It's coming off like the wrong finger or the position it's, it's, it's of the hand. It's kind of a, 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 fl- a too much flick almost, you know, it, it, it's not soft. Okay, interesting. I, I, I mean, I'll have to study it some more because to me, it almost felt like there's a couple of little things you could adjust. And I thought they, what was great was it, it almost felt like to me like a Mike Conley situation who came out, not the best shooter coming out of college, but lefty and also a great athlete like that. Uh, and, and he has built himself over the course of four or five years into an elite three-point shooter. And there, someone else, after I had said that in the video, came out with even more stats to support that. Uh, I, the free throw shooting where they moved and all these different things. Um, and, and it seemed to indicate that, yes, that would be the one thing that Fox seems to have the ability to, to improve. And I, I would be shocked if he gets with the right pro coach, uh, shooting coach, I would be shocked if he didn't uh, you know, become a, a legit 35 36% three-point shooter uh, at, at the floor uh, just because everything looks it – looks, it's on its way. And then everything else you said as far as explosion and the athletic ability and the way he can guard, uh, yeah, I think I might be the highest on him having gone from ball, which I thought was going to be a great player in the NBA – I might think that Fox for the NBA is best suited than any of those guards. His game is a pro game. It's open. Um, you know, he he. In the course of any two game season, as a rookie, even I think he would improve significantly as he got more reps because the speed of the game for him is already so special. And that's why I think people have told me it's probably that reason and maybe other others, but that reason mainly why. You know he could potentially be the best player in this class, maybe the best point guard, and he's competitive. I I, I want to go back to that because you saw what he did to Lonzo Ball in the tournament. I mean he he not only did, did he destroy him, but but he it was a difference and a different speed they played at, and that to me is why I like Fox better. 
For sure. I mean, you know, we, we, we'll ignore the rumors that maybe Lonzo Ball had like a groin injury or something in that finals. I don't know. He, he definitely didn't look like exactly on his game, but uh, without question, Fox just uh, gave him his lunch to uh, a couple different times um, throughout the whole game. So well, let's move on to it. How about a player I, I did a breakdown and I'm pretty high on? I'm kind of curious your thoughts because I've got a lot of blowback uh, for Lowry Markinen. Um, here's a guy who looks to me like a guy who could be like an athletic version of Dirk. Um, yeah. and yet I, people are really concerned about his defense. What's your take on how well he'll do in the NBA? I'm, I'm with you. I, I'm a big fan, and I'm a Pac-12 guy. I'm from Seattle. I saw him play a lot, and I think he's a wonderful talent. Uh, you know, he First of all, they've said he's, he's not done growing, which is scary because he's 6'10 six, 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 and a half. Uh, he can obviously really shoot it. He had, a, he had a, a freshman wall he hit where he wasn't very good for like eight games, but other than that, he was sensational. Um, defensively, that goes back to the body. I mean, he'll he'll put on 15, 20 pounds, get a better base, and instantly his defense will improve. But you mentioned the Dirk comparison. Um, that's the comparison I made. I'm not, that's not us saying he's going to be Dirk, but you look at his body, the ability to shoot it, I think he's more advanced than people realize offensively because he's, he's not just a shooter. He can actually post up on both blocks. He doesn't just go to the left shoulder, and he's got a wonderful touch. So I'm with you uh, on Markkinen. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he's a he's a perfect uh, stretch four for the NBA uh, offensively, even right now because of that. He's got he's got beautiful touch from three. He hops into his shot, which makes me excited. Um, he's athletic. He's athletic. Yeah. Now, I mean, there's a th- I think something. Yeah, what you said. He needs to get with a trainer. I'm not even sure he needs to like bulk up because I don't think people need to bulk like they used to in the, p- the past. Kevin Durant isn't bulky, but he's got that wiry core strength. He's strong. He's stronger than he looks. Absolutely. Yeah. And so uh, that's what he needs to develop, and that that takes a little time. But I don't think he's gonna you know need to get huge in the the shoulders and whatever. But I think he definitely needs to learn. Uh, you know, his hips need to be open. He's a little bit too tight, and I definitely feel like any kind of even an average. Uh, NBA uh, strength and conditioning coach will be able to get in there and within six months unlock, you know, 15% more athletic ability from him. Uh, and that's the only question now is if you, if you want to play, uh, you know, small ball four with him, um, you probably can get away with it even defensively. I feel like people are going to say he's not strong enough to do that yet, but I don't know. We're moving into a different age in the NBA, wouldn't you say? Not only that, but I, I think he's more athletic than he's probably given credit for. He's a little stiff, but he, you know, he's efficient. Um, he, he's, he's the perfect player for this era, and especially given his age, what he can develop into. You know, I think he can go as high as six to Portland. I think Minnesota there at seven, Dallas at nine. Uh, he's not going to last long, and a big reason why is because the game, to your point, is transitioned so much into that, you know, that stretch four. That's what he is. Absolutely. Well, you know, we're going strong here for a few more minutes at least, so I want to give you a chance to, uh, you know, throw out another who, – who's another guy you want to talk about that's uh, catching yeah, people's eye? I, I, I'm, I can't stop talking about Zach Collins. I mean, he's – you know, we talk about marketing. Collins is maybe a little bigger and I think even better. Um, I am a – I'm all in on the Zach Collins train. You know, he was the first McDonald's All-American to commit to Gonzaga, and there was a lot of pressure on him. And by the end of the year, he was one of the best players in the country. He's a legit 6'10 and a half, 6'11. Um, he's extremely active. He's got a he's he's stronger than Markinen at this point. I was talking to his agent, uh, Mark Bartelstein. They they believe, and I've known Mark a while. He wanted to say this. They believe he can be really special. And I think the sense around the league is that because yeah, he can pick and pop, but you can uh, throw the ball to the block. Um, he can handle the ball a little bit. He can guard. 
Um, I think he's ready to come in right now. Whereas Markkinen can play, I think Collins can make a big difference right away. And I, and I believe that uh, wherever he ends up, it's regardless, he'll, he, he will be a very good pro. Yeah, he was very impressive to me in the postseason when I watched him there. And I, for that reason, he seems like he's got – he's not intimidated by anything, right? He's not going to get uh, uh, the lights and the uh, big action and camera and LeBron walking around might not really shrink. And he's, he's going to come to play every night. Yeah, yeah, he, he's, he's really interesting. And then I think the only other two players I, I think we'd have to hit on would be the, the other two point guards, uh, Frank Nicolina and um, Dennis Smith, Jr., from North Carolina State. The, those two guys could go – I mean, Smith is intriguing at eight to New York, as is uh, Nicolina. And then you start to think about who else needs a point guard, Dallas at nine. Um, a lot of teams uh, late in the lottery. Neither one of those guys are going to last long. Nicolina is the higher upside play at 6'5". Um, he, he, he turned pro at 15. And as you know, Nick, when you go pro that young, a lot of guys, you know, you look at the stats, are not that impressive. But uh, he didn't play a ton, but he was great in the world's. And he's he, he's a big NBA legit six five point guard. Whereas Smith is that explosive, you know, six one and a half, but dynamic player. Both of those guys are going to go, I believe, in the top ten, certainly in the lottery. And both of them have a chance to be special in different ways. Beautiful. Well, you know, let's let's turn to some questions while we have at the end here uh, from the uh, from the crowd over at Periscope. And so uh, I don't know. I mean, we're, Chris Dreamer asks, how about Ben Simmons and the ball on the same team? Do we think that he's going to drop that to, to the Sixers, and does that work for you as a pairing? Well, well, the Lakers have been tight-lipped about the workout yesterday that they had with Lonzo, and I think you know they'll probably remain that way. Uh, if if he ends up with Philly, it'll be really interesting to see what happens with Ben Simmons because they've made it very clear, Philly, that they want Simmons to really be on the ball. So I'm not sure how that would work out. I, I think both those guys are so talented they could figure it out. But think about the length they would have uh, potentially in the backcourt with Simmons at six nine and a half and Ball at six six. That's a scary a uh, one two punch. Bo- and both those guys are great passers. Oh yeah, well, th- well then you throw Embiid out there in the center spot, and, sure. and they have a really fun team. Uh, I think that you know what's funny is I kind of feel like Ball is one of those quintessential shooting guards who has yeah. great vision. I really do. I feel like he's a, a beautiful catch-and-shoot spot-up guy. He doesn't do the pick-and-roll a lot, at least in college. So I almost feel like, you know, I know he runs the break really well and he sees the floor beautifully, but that's why I feel like, gosh, he, he's the, the X factor there that could play off the ball uh, more so and still thrive. So uh, I'm, well, I'm if curious. If you look at Golden State, you know, they similar, I mean, different, but, but with Clay, like, he'll, he'll – He'll, he'll be on the ball at times, and he'll initiate, and he'll run like a stagger or the, they'll run a high horn set. Basically, the idea is that at, with that size and the ability to handle it and shoot it. Now, Ball has a, that funky shot. He's great as a spot-up guy. You do wonder whether or not he'll be able um, you know, to, to wind it up and it will, in the pick-and-roll or on the pull-ups because he didn't shoot the ball well from the free-throw line very, very well this year. So that's my, that's my question mark with Ball. But even with that funky delivery – his numbers are pretty good from a shooting standpoint. They are. They are. And I, and I think the only issue he has is going to his right to pull up. But you know what? Everyone's just a floater now anyway, unless it's a three. And yeah. he can just cross over before he pulls and, and then figure that out. Uh, let's see here. Uh, there's another question coming up right now. Is Steph Curry underappreciated this series because Duran is overshadowing him? Well, that's an interesting question as we shift back over to the NBA. Um, I asked that question earlier to uh, a Warriors beat writer because clearly it seems like KD is the MVP of the finals. But what do you think about that? Who is the better player? 
I think Durant's the better player, and I think he's been MVP. You know, he's been unbelievable in the in the finals. But but Curry makes that team go. I mean, make right. no mistake. He's still he he has the keys to the car. He's the he's the one handling the ball, making the decisions. I mean, obviously Draymond will and Clay will and and KD will. But ultimately, Curry's got to be great for them to win. At least got to be really good. And he's big. You look at the numbers. This is the best he's played in the playoffs throughout his career. Certainly very similar to two years ago when they won it. So I think he's been underappreciated a little bit, but that's part of the beauty of what Golden State's done. When, when they recruited Clay, uh, recruited Durant, Clay and, and Curry told him, "Hey, this is an egoless team, or at least as close as you can get at this level, and we just want to win." And obviously, it's worked. Okay, yeah, absolutely. Well, last question in the last thirty seconds, we have Adrian asks, "What do the Heat look at in the draft, and what do they do this summer?" And that's an the interesting 14th, question. And the Heat right? at the fourteenth pick. Yeah. Well, I mean, if Collins is there, that would be awesome for them to pair him alongside um, uh, Hassan Whiteside. But they, you know, they drafted Justice Winslow, and I know a lot of Heat fans are disappointed in him. Um, I- I'm not willing to give up on him yet. Uh, I-, I still think he can be a-, a very good NBA player, a productive NBA player. But they're one of those teams that at 14, I would, I, I would imagine they would go best available um, and not just limit themselves to a big uh, or whomever they maybe they, they would target. I think best available at 14 couple of guys uh, out there, and one of them I'd really highlight is Luke Kennard. I, I don't know if he'll be there at 14. He's really risen. I know New York likes him at 8. Um, that's about as high as he could go. But Kennard, I think, would be a, a wonderful fit in Miami because he's six four and a half. He can handle the ball. He can he can really shoot it. And he's just a, he's a great – I mean, he's a great player. And okay. he, he, he would be somebody I would look at at 14 for Miami. Wow. All right, we'll have to keep our eye out for those Dukies and see if they can you know, do better in the NBA than they have in the past. So uh, interesting, lots of interesting stuff, terrific insights in the college game. You're really helping me out because I've been so busy. I haven't had a chance to look enough on that stuff, and I'm going to dive in pretty soon. So uh, everybody, check out Jordan's stuff over on Twitter. You can see the name on the screen. And um, thank you so much, Jordan, for coming on. You'll have to come on again. We'll check, we'll check, check in with you after the draft. Sounds great. Coach Nick, I appreciate the time, man. You got it. And don't forget, sports fans, at B-Ball Breakdown, not a channel, we're a conversation. You win. Are you in, Jordan? I'm in. <laughs>